Welcome to another episode of Empower Apps. I'm your host, Leo Dion. Today, I am joined by Adrian Eves. Adrian, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, it's this is going to be a great time. I am not... I'm really happy to have you on. I know how exhausting it is to travel. You just came back from dub dub you did you get to go to the actual event i did i didn't get the quote-unquote golden ticket i was really more there to support my friends at apple who've been working on things that they finally have gotten to reveal and it's funny that you mentioned traveling and stuff because i've only been back home from dub dub for a little over an hour i took a red eye home oh my gosh adrian thank you so much for being able to do this this is it's great. I'm really, really happy about that. One thing we wanted to talk about is just your current work situation. So you've been, you were at Disney, is that correct, for quite is, some time? And that is you, correct. You were recently laid off. Yeah. You want to talk about that situation a little bit? What was yeah, that like? I would love to. So I've had a bit of a cycle with it, personally, because first I got the news, and it was kind of like, it didn't really hit me. I was just like, oh, yeah, I want to lay off. And then that weekend, it was, it was rough. I had a lot of questions about my own self-worth and stuff. And I was like, oh, why me? But then I also saw like some of the other folks that were getting laid off. And I, and one of my friends, his name is Eris, she explained the way layoffs work to me is it's not like they're getting fired, but it's really just a corporate thing where they have to reduce role count and such. And so I was able to see that. It really wasn't a personal decision and it's really easy to take personally, but I have made peace with it. I enjoyed my time there. I'm really glad I got to be there and I'm excited to find out what's next personally and why I do not know what that is at the time of recording. I've got some things in the pipeline and we'll just have to see where they lead. Were you surprised to see Disney at Dub Dub? Bob Iger specifically there to talk about the Vision Pro? That was a little tough, I'm, I'm going to say. I'm happy that they get okay. to do the, the Vision Pro stuff. But see, I was watching the keynote, and I felt like a big wave of nostalgia because I used to work over at Apple, and I I, I loved I loved working there. And as though I was already like in the pride zone to feel like, like heartfelt things. And then, yeah, then that happened. I was like, oh, man, ooh. Like they got me, but, but no, that's really exciting. And honestly, I, I would be lying if I said I wasn't going to use my vision prior to make me some mouse dance around my furniture. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So good luck with your endeavors. I'm 99% sure you're going to find a new gig. Appreciate you um, for that. I'm not that very kind. Yeah. I think with layoffs, it's going to sound a little cold hearted, but like us engineers who have skills, have it a lot easier finding new gigs than people who are quote unquote unskilled laborers. So I, I'm I'm hopeful that most people can find new jobs pretty easily in this yeah, I have so too. It's, situation. It's it's really sad to see because I it's funny, I feel like people use LinkedIn most during job hunt season. And I'm using LinkedIn a lot lately for obvious reasons. And you see it a lot. People get dispatched and laid off and it's it's sad and it's like some people have had like 25 year histories at their company and it's just that's it. And it's kind of, oh. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So let's get into WWDC. What was, what's been your favorite videos this year? There was a ton. Trust me. I'm, I'm thinking of like 50% of my bookmarks, but we're, how, how, 
what, what were the things that you were like, oh my gosh, that's so cool? So there were a lot that were really, really, really cool. We had about 175 sessions this year, and so I tried to limit it down to three. Wow. And I want, I think these three are really, really special to me because I know the people who are giving the talks, and they, I don't know. Some of them have given the talks before, but also the ones that have given talks before, this was a pretty big moment for them. So, for instance, yeah. one of my top ones is Meet Assistive Access. And you probably know him. Alan Weary delivered that session. Can I, can I tell you a funny story about Alan? I, Please. I invited him to the, I invited him to the podcast. And this was before I knew about his new position. And it was like a week before he got the job. And I saw the tweet right after I DM'd him, and I was like, oh, yeah, he's he's not going to come on. Oh, I just just missed him by that much. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah, that, that would have been a good one. That's not awesome. Put it out there. But, yeah, like, assistive access, it's just awesome to see the work that Apple is doing when it comes to accessibility in that realm. It's really yeah, – and it, that is a very, very special work, piece of work that they've done. It's been, it's been a long time coming, but it's been incredible. I'm so happy to see it out in the wild. Did you work on that, if you mind me asking? I did not work on assistive access. That was Those were other members of the accessibility team doing that. Alan, I'm going to be careful, and I'm not going to speak on what Alan did or didn't do, because he's not here to correct me or also speak on behalf of it. But I will say that he's very qualified to give this question. Yeah. Yeah, you want to explain what assistive access is and how how that fits in accessibility exactly? Yes, and so one of the reasons I love assistive access so much is because a lot of times when we think of accessibility, we think of vision accessibility with things like voiceover, uh, and we think of motor accessibility, things like switch control, and we think of things that help with our hearing like subtitles or boosts, etc. We a lot of people don't really think of cognitive accessibility. And to be fair, it's a it, when you think of it in terms of the other three ones that I just mentioned, it's a bit different and harder to design around. And so assistive access does a beautiful job of giving developers a mean to really tackle that by just creating interfaces that make a lot more sense. I have one of my best friends in the whole world is a gentleman who has Down syndrome and he assistive access is right up his alley. He's a very bright, bright person, can tell you literally anything, any plot of any movie, any actor, any year a movie was done. It's incredible. And but the only thing sometimes he gets frustrated using his phone. And something like this is just awesome because it doesn't insult anybody. It just makes it easier to use and a lot friendlier to use. What, how would you convince a company to use this in their app? So oh. it's, in, so it, that's a tricky thing because as it is in a lot of companies, even getting support for voiceover in your app can actually be tricky. It can be a, a hill that you have to be ready to die on. But I think that this is a right. hill worth dying on as well. Maybe I should pick a different metaphor because that is morbid. But, uh, but uh, so essentially, I think that if you consider that you want your app to be used by everybody, you have to consider that we have a we have a world population of about eight billion people, and we live in a world where at least fifteen percent of those people experience some kind of disability. And if we really want to make something for everyone, 
we really need to make sure that that 15% is not being cut out of the equation. And more often than not, just by putting something, this is a common courtesy to put into your app. So putting something like assistive access or voiceover into your app is a common courtesy to folks. But when people see it done well, it brings them considerable joy because they actually feel like you're thinking of them and that they, that you want them to use your app. And they're just, they're just folks like you and me. They just use their phones differently than, than you and I do. Yeah. Yeah. We'll definitely put a link to Alan's talk at DubDub. Definitely take, take a look at that. That's pretty awesome. Speaking of accessibility, you also wrote down the create accessible spatial experiences. Yes. You want to um, explain the accessibility vision OS story there? So I've, this talk was delivered by my friends, Dan Golden and Drew Hines, and they have done some incredible work on vision OS. And as you can imagine, vision OS, especially the mission at Apple is we're that Apple is very big on accessibility and the vision OS is not going to be an exception to the rule there. And so yeah. I will say like with Alan, they're very qualified to deliver this, this talk, this session. And they go over a lot of things like pointing accessibility and such. And you would imagine, Oh, it's, we have iOS and iPad OS apps and watch OS apps that they use things like voiceover, but this is going to be a different experience because you, because the vision OS relies so much on eyes and hand gestures, we also have to think about those folks who use their devices who, for instance, do not have all that eye mobility or that hand mobility. And so they can use things like pointing gestures and such to operate with these interfaces and also the ability to have the feedback of a voice reading your content on the screen. And I don't want to, I don't want to jump too far into it, but it's just a really good overview as we start getting to spatial computing about how to really do some good accessible practice. And I highly recommend it to anybody who's starting to consider projects with Vision OS because the SDK is not even out at the time of recording. And you could really do yourself a favor of getting a head start because I'm going to say the, the age old saying that when you start your app, it's way better to consider accessibility at that stage than it is to try to shoehorn it in later. And this talk does a really, really, really good job of helping with that. I would say accessibility is more important for this than it is for any other device. I, I, I had questions talking about the interaction with the device. Okay, what if you're like, is there an alternative to pin, like tapping your fingers? Is there an alternative to looking at something like... And so I haven't seen this video, but this sounds right up my alley because I'm really curious how you can set up those alternatives, not, not just for accessibility, but just in general. I could see people being like, okay, I'm tired of doing this one thing. I want to be have an alternative. So yeah, that looks, that sounds awesome. I'm, I'm going to definitely check that out after this. And one thing that's um, also worth considering is that one, I don't think it's people necessarily realize it that vision OS, the, the Vision Pro, is that you're able to connect devices to it, like a game controller, for instance. So that also gives yeah. us navigation. Yeah, I would assume so. Did they say anything about storage on it? If you want to pull off I don't offline re- content? I don't recall. And also... Okay. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know on that one. Okay. Okay. 
Yeah, because they had the person watch the movie on the airplane, but Wi-Fi on the airplane sometimes sucks. So could you download it on the app, like offline, like you could with Disney Plus or something? I'd be curious about that. Sorry, that was total tangent. No, there, no, it's but... a valid question, a valid use case. And now I'm sure after this talk, yeah. I'm going to go down a rabbit hole to see if that can be done. Yeah, so you, we know that there's a two-hour battery, right? Like, I know that that's a bottleneck with the device, which hopefully you can charge it on the airplane while you're using it so you can watch the two-and-a-half-hour movie. But, yeah, so that's just one of the many questions that I'll have. I don't know. Are you getting the developer kit? I would assume so, right? I I would very much to apply. Yeah, it's because too. I went to a session, I went to a lab about developing games for Vision S and I came in with mm-hmm. two ideas and I came out with 10. And the problem is that I have 10 now and I'm you going have 10 to new have domains to, too, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I would. I actually, I did buy a, I did buy a domain, but it's not, I don't think it's what people think it is. And, but I am excited okay. to talk about that down the road. But yeah, like the problem is I have okay. 10 ideas and with somebody like me, that's 10 competing things in my head. Then so the problem is picking one. I was telling people over the weekend, well, over the week, I've been working on four apps at the same time, like trying to digest all this, two two current apps and two new apps that I've been waiting for WWDC to work on. And it's like, I just feel like I've been under the fire hose, whatever, for the last week and a half with all this new stuff. Yeah, I, I, I understand. Speaking of shared space, enhance your iPad and iPhone apps for the shared space. So my understanding, I, I did what I think I did watch this one. Is that like you can bring in iPhone and iPad apps, like yes. basically whole hog, like whole hog into Vision OS, right? It's wonderful, yes. And there's a really, I I would say, so my friend John Barkey gave this talk, and the whole one, I feel like the real MVP of this talk was the hover effect modifier, was because in, in Vision OS, as opposed to iOS, in iOS you tap your phone to interact with controls, right? And you, you get mm-hmm. different feedbacks. You can get a visual feedback or you can get a haptic feedback. But I don't know about you. I don't want something buzzing on my face when I press it. And so what... <laughs> but, the timer's but, done. Thanks. <laughs> like, oh, that's... Oh, speaking of timers, my friend Devin Davies is working on... He's already hard at work, like, designing his app Crouton to interface with Vision Pro. And honestly... I would, That's awesome. I would get a Vision Pro just to use Crouton because can you imagine cooking and then, but having the recipe up right next to you, you don't have to touch your phone or get it dirty because you have like flour on your hands. You can put it in a window right. off to the side while you are just cooking and like just re- refer to it. And like you can probably cook mm-hmm. way more efficiently. And Devin, if you're listening to this, I am genuinely excited. I really am. Was there anything else with enhancing iPad and iPhone apps? Oh, I was, I think I was kind of on a, on a train there and I hopped off my bad. But so <laughs> the, <laughs> the hover, hover effect is a modifier that you can use to give feedback to new elements when you have them selected using your, your eyes in, nice. in Vision Pro. I keep interchangeably using Vision Pro and Vision OS. I'm really bad at that. In Vision, o, in Vision OS. And that's, that's really helpful because if you don't have that feedback when you're looking around, it's going to feel stale or stiff. And it really helps with the eye tracking a lot. And okay. with the gestures, it's really that. sweet. And yeah, that, yeah. that session goes off how to use it really well. And it comes up and it explains a really good use case 
for defining the geometry of the hover area. No spoilers, though. Okay. Ooh. It's okay to get Vision OS and Vision Pro interchanged until they come out with the Vision Air or the Vision SE. So yeah, exactly. Six years. So you're good with that. Vision Pro. What else do you want to cover when it comes to Vision OS, I guess? I So I w- I'm blown away by the Vision Pro's capabilities. I'm not going to name any competitors by name, but I've used the VR stuff before, and it felt like it was just made for some fun little party games. Classic Beat Saber, which is not a, was not a slam or a dig. Beat Saber is amazing. I love it. But I have, I have felt limitations with those. And the thing that is really interesting to me about Vision Pro is it feels like a universal application of VR and AR space, which to me mm-hmm. is something I wasn't even considering. Like, for instance, I miss, I mentioned like Crouton, like, working in your kitchen with recipes by you. You can still play games. You can still watch movies. And one thing that I'm really, really excited about is they solve one of the biggest problems with traditional VR, which is, so let's say you played like Skyrim in VR, right? If you play on a normal headset, mm-hmm. you're going to get motion sick unless you have, unless you're really used to it and you've fought the good fight there. Oh. But because of their windowed approach to things, you can still see everything around you. And it, it feels yeah. like another like TV, but it's still, it's still part of the experience and it's really clever how it's done. And so I'm excited for it to be a solution for everybody. Yeah. What I said in the last episode was that everybody's VR headset before this was like a Blackberry. They all had keyboards on them and that was the way you did a smartphone. And then Apple comes along and they're like, no, 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 this is how you do VR. You get rid of the keyboard and you make it AR. Our device with with a camera on both ends, etc. And it, it feels like they just Apple does its own thing, and then everybody's going to follow that route. Like it's it feels very much like what happened with the iPhone 15 yeah. years ago in that regard. Well, that that to me is just super cool. I'm really excited, and it's we're entering another age of the developer wild west. So back in when Swift was announced on the mm-hmm. iPhone, and never was jumping into it, everyone was figuring out how to use it and stuff and trying to figure out best practices and the cool thing is apart from these lovely sessions that we've been given a lot of the best practices for the developer community have yet to be revealed and so i think if you're interested in joining the wider community at large this is a great platform for you because you can be a part of the discussion and help form kind of the trajectory of third-party apps for vision os and that's a really great place to have your voice heard Let's talk about the community aspect of it. Like, what, yeah, what was, what was that like for this year's WWDC? Oh, it was incredible. So I, I really think of it honestly, going to a really, really big family reunion because you just, you recognize so many people there, so many people you haven't seen in at least a year. And it's like you never left. Like the whole time you're going to like, wow. Like the whole yeah. year, you're like, oh, man, I hope so-and-so hasn't forgot me and stuff, but they're just so happy to see you. There's, like, hugs and high fives all around, and here's what I've been up to. And it's incredible, because, like, not only are people, like, here to see everything at DubDub, they are also, you also get to see that they're in evolving stages of their life. Like, some people have gotten new jobs. Some people have built new apps. Some people are in the middle of building new apps. Some people have had kids. Some people have gotten married. It's just incredible. It just really shows you that the community is alive, evolving, and just really special. 
Yeah. Yeah, I decided not to go this year because I already did my world, world tour doing two conferences. And it, like just going to those two conferences was so great to see people I haven't seen in a while in person, never seen in person, honestly. And I can't imagine it's, it's the same going to WWDC is like just seeing all these people, especially if it's been a while. What, what do you think is like the, what was like the biggest change or biggest surprise for meeting other people as far as what they're working on that's differently than what you would have expected. Does that so, make sense? Are you talking about like and meeting other people and like what they're working on or just meeting other people in general? Meeting other people and what are they working on? You have this idea of like kind of software engineering. Oh, I have an idea. I'm going to carefully guard it. People are apt to steal it. And I was expecting people to, to like be that way. Cause I would, I would silly ask, Oh, I see like you are really interested in this. Are you planning on making something with it? And then I was planning every time I asked that to be like shut down and be like, Oh, I can't say, but everyone is really eager to talk about what they're doing for the most part for those that I talk to at least. And it's nice because I haven't seen the kind of thief mindset. Usually when somebody says it, they're like, Oh, that's really cool. Did you know that this could do this or whatever? Or this might be helpful. And I saw a friend working on a really, really good idea. I'm, I really think we'll see the idea within the next year, but they were talking to another one of my friends about a particular protocol or a framework. And it was really cool. This person that they, that they were talking to really knowledgeable in this framework. And this person just was genuinely caring and helping them out. And this community mm-hmm. has a really, really, really good spirit. And I was just, genu- I was just really impressed with how much everyone genuinely wants to help each other. Yep. Yeah, I agree completely. I think, I think that I've done this long enough. Like, I know that your code is not as special as you think it is. There's what makes a successful app is not great code. So to me, it's like sharing my code is not, it's not the secret it used to be. Yeah, somebody could copy it, but like to me, it's more, it's more the collab. There's so much benefit to the collaboration and the community aspect to it that it's to me keeping your code secret sometimes isn't like, you lose more than you gain, I guess is the way I'd put it. So yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah. And I really do think uh-huh. that while it may be unfortunate if someone were to copy code, it really does the copier a disservice and that's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. What else about just the community aspect or being in person did you want to talk about or do you feel like we covered that pretty well? Think So one really awesome thing. So I didn't get the quote unquote golden ticket but I did get to help iOS did Happy Hour with the watch party. And that was really cool because instead of usually kind of watching it by yourself and like your living room or your bedroom, you have to be with a bunch of other people. And it was like watching the last, the last Avengers movie where everyone cares for things and like all the cool things happen. Like, like for instance, people really got happy about the Vision Pro announcement. I almost fell out of my seat when they announced the biking port and the health app for iPad. The biking stuff for the watch, yeah. To me, as a cyclist, that to me is just amazing, and I cannot wait to overuse it. Yeah, let's. I want to talk about that a little bit. We're gonna do an episode. I think the next episode might be with Hide, who's done amazing work. He did a great talk on design at Swift Hero, so I'm really excited to geek out about Watch OS 10 with him in the next episode. But I do want to talk about a few things, mostly the health related stuff. So. Yeah, we got, we got health kit on the iPad, which was always a pain in the butt to deal if you're ever developed anything with health kit. 
We got a new API for syncing workouts between the phone and the watch. You always had to do it through watch connectivity. And now there's a built-in API in HealthKit to do that, which I really am happy about. And then we got biking. So maybe you can explain the biking and the hiking part. Are those on all watch OS 10 watches or was it I'm just ultras? Sure. I wasn't totally clear on that. I'm seeing, okay. I didn't see anything that necessarily said the ultras, but of course, if anyone's listening, they can mm-hmm. jump out and correct me and I would be happily correct. Yeah, please it. do. We asked this in the last episode. And I'm like, with the hiking stuff, like they talked about last cell phone, get last cell connection. Does it have to be an ultra? Could it just be a watch with LTE on it? I don't like, cause that would be awesome if I didn't have to buy, spend $700 to, to, to use that feature. Right. Yeah. I have an ultra just because I like to run like marathons and things. So it's kind of, oh, okay. it's, it's a bit very great, but the biking thing is incredible because as someone who trains, like for instance, I have an Ironman coming up in November, but as somebody who trains extensively on the bike to try to improve and nail down a certain level of performance, the improvements, basically what they've done is something that I've wanted for like years. And that's for the watch to take on the functionality of a bike computer. Now a bike computer really tells you a bunch of things like how fast you're going. They can also tell you right. your average wattage and amidst a bunch of other stats. And now the watch can do that, which means you don't have to go buy a bunch of extra equipment and sync it up. You just throw your iPad, I mean your, your iPad, your iPhone in your bag and or in the back of your bike okay. jersey and it collects the data and you can get that stuff just by virtue of running a workout. And that to me is incredible and I'm so excited about it. The other, so the other thing was, is that you can get a display on your phone to show yes. your bike stats. Is that correct? Yes. That's, that's like the idea of the bike computer. Okay. So like, you don't have to look at your wrist. You can look at your phone. Um, oh, at the same time. I don't know if I personally would try to look at both at the same time. I feel like I don't have the ability to do no, that. No, no, no. I meant you could look at the phone instead of the watch while the watch is oh, tracking your stats. I d- is that correct? I did not know. I did not know that. But my understanding okay. is some, some like official races are very finicky about having like your phone as a bike computer. They'll disallow it and stuff. Why is that? For safety reasons? I think it's for safety reasons, and I think it's the idea they okay. don't want the temptation of texting while writing. That'll happen. That'll Sorry, people are like that. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I yeah, I've done half marathons before. I've never, I I haven't done it. I don't have an ultra watch ultra, but that would be tempting for marathons. I would assume. Oh yeah, no. If you um, yeah, if you ever want to do like an endurance board, honestly, like this is the one to get. It's fantastic. But even then, yeah. I will say I looked have- at one this week. I actually looked at one this weekend because if you can give me your thoughts and prayers, my series six died. Like it's dead. It doesn't turn on anymore. It charges, but it doesn't turn on. I was like, how big is an ultra? And it looked like really big. And I was like a bit intimidated by that, but yeah, I mean that battery life must be awesome on it. No, it really is. And, but even I will say that for things like marathons, there are optimizations you can make to make it even better because I really love the Nike Run Club app and I love the guided runs with Coach mm-hmm. Bennett but that can eat your battery pretty okay. hard. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've bought like most of my watches I've bought were the Nike ones so that's that's cool to hear. Anything else that you want to talk about health related? Uh, I guess that today is pretty awesome and I met him at Dub Dub and he's just a yeah. ray of sunshine. I'm excited for 
the next episode. Yeah, yeah. There's, I'm so tempted to go to the beta. We'll see. I'm, I'm holding out as long as I am. So far, we've been able to record this episode on Sonoma. So that's good news because I accidentally upgraded my production. My Whoops. So. Yeah, don't do that. It, it crashes quite a bit. I love the widgets on the screen. I think that's awesome. But yeah, there's been, there's been a couple of times the computer's restarted on its own. So far, this worked out great. Yay. I want to talk about partnership with Unity. Is this oh, Vision OS related or gaming related? It's both. So this is something that's kind of special to me because I have a niche interest in game development and Okay. Over the years, Apple's done some really awesome, like, Unity has helped join the, pretty much, the Apple scene in a lot of ways, and including mm-hmm. ex- actual accessibility frameworks with Apple for games. And now we're seeing Unity and these events, like Keynote, for developing, especially the case was Vision OS. And that's just really cool, because I really like Unity a lot, and it's a really good game development tool, and it's really nice to see that it's so friendly with the the Apple platform ecosystem. So it's, you mm-hmm. don't have to yeah. feel that there's not a suitable option for game development. This is a great one. When you do games, do you just do them in Unity? Do you use like Sprite Kit or any of the Scene Kit or any of the Apple stuff? Or how do you do that? I'm just kind of curious. I think it, it depends on the project. And I think it depends on the scale of your project. I personally like working in Unity just because of all that's available to you. And it's the type of project that I like lends itself really well to community, especially if you consider okay. things like tile maps. And I know you can do that with Sprite Kit, but Unity makes it really easy. What is Unity C sharp based, JavaScript based? It is. Actually, I have a funny story. Oh, so while we were waiting for our flights, we were, and we were in Cupertino. Paul Hudson and I were killing some time. We went to the Cupertino Public Library and logged into the computers and found that they had Visual Studio 2015. So we built little projects in C-sharp just for the fun of it during the hour we have limited. It felt suspiciously like an, like a lead code problem session. 2015? Yeah. So it's like, wow. That's funny. Oh, that takes me back. Yeah. Was there anything else you want to talk about before we close out? Oh, well, I guess some last minute things, some quick things. I'm really pumped for Swift macros and Swift data. Macros are going to make writing Swift so much more exciting and just fast. And Swift data, we know that it's going to, it as core data is very kind of archaic and tricky to conceptually wrap around. I've always had a really mm-hmm. hard time with it. And Swift data is going to be a really great solution for getting some persistence done in a way that makes sense and feels readable. Have you, de- have you tried any of those either, either of those in the last week? Because I've only yet. done Swift Macro for previous Swift UI previews, which, by the way, I found a bug. I filed it. Um, Good job. The Monday, the Sunday before WWDC, I created an enum called Preview with the same name. And then I'm, like, using the macro in my project. And it's like, I Preview's not a macro. Why are you trying to? But I'm like, I'm using your built-in. It ends up being there's, like, a name. Con- you can't have an enum with the same name as a built-in macro. So... Yeah, I don't think mm. that's, I don't think that should be the case, I would assume. So I'm yeah, glad I you filed. Yes, I did file. I'll post a link to the number in the right. show notes. But I've not, so that's actually one API I haven't jumped into is Swift Data. Like, 
I pretty much can use Swift data everywhere. I feel like I've been waiting for Swift data, which is why I've avoided core data in all of my apps is because I knew there's going to be something like this coming. Like I am definitely at some point this summer going to deep dive into Swift data because I could use it so many places and so many apps. Yeah, I'm really excited about that and jumping into that and seeing how that works. Also, seeing how that works, how that fits in with full st- for with a full stack Swift application. Mm-hmm. If you have a database in Fluent and Vapor, like how does that work with Swift data if you want to sync your data up? And- oh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm really excited about that. That should be a good time. I'm really happy that it's around and I already know people using it. And also yeah. on the summer of the Swift macros, shout out to Holly Borla for presenting at State of the Union. Yeah. She's a boss. Yeah. Holly is, she is, yes, she is the boss. Yeah. I, Holly puts out great content. She does a fantastic job. Her talk on associated types from last year was a super, super helpful for me when it came to doing my talk for Swift Heroes. So. Oh, I'm really happy um, to hear that. Yeah. Also good work for your talk. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I was wrapping my head around existential type types and. I finally grokked it after I watched her talk and the other gentleman who talked last year. I wish I remembered. You but, are the only um, other person I know who uses the word grokked. You and Charlie Chapman. Must be a Midwest thing. I think it's mm. got to be. Because, yeah, you, you oh, must be Midwesterns. Yes. Yeah, we're both Midwesterns. Wow. Anything else? That's all I can think of for today. I think I'm ready for a nap in a little bit. <laughs> yes. Enjoy your nap. Good luck with your job search. Thank you so much, Adrian, for coming back on. We'll love to have you on again. Maybe next time we'll just geek out about Tears of the Kingdom. And, yes. But you know. we'd have to schedule multiple sessions for that. You're right. Exactly. Exactly. Where can people find you online? You can find me on all the platforms. Twitter at Swifties, Mastodon at Swifties, at Mastodon.social, and Blue Sky at Swifties. Swifties at the little standard blue sky domain great thank you again um people can find me on twitter at leo my company is bright digit uh i'm leo gd on everywhere bright digit air please uh if you're watching this on youtube like subscribe i'd really really appreciate it. share some clips and shorts with other people let them know that i uh i'll be pro- pretty much putting out episodes once a week uh until probably august so we have a lot at wwtc to cover next time will be probably hit a talk about watch os 10 and i also am planning on having pedro pinero from tuist on to talk about xcode and tuist so be sure to subscribe if you want to catch those episodes if you're listening to this on a podcast player also put out a review and share with others as well thank you so much and i look forward to talking to you again bye everybody bye